Hello, and welcome to the TV Movie Rewind Podcast with myself, Matt, and my brother, Todd. Get out! Oh, for God's sakes, get out. Just get out! Today we're doing the 1979 horror thriller, The Amityville Horror. Now, first we're going to talk about the movie based on, just on its being a movie. We're not going to worry about any real life basis on the book or anything like that. Right now, we're just going to solely review the movie. The facts as they were presented to us at the ages of like, what, nine and I don't know, 11 or so. Well, the <laughs> movie we was, yeah, the movie came out in 79, but we probably saw it in like 81, 82 or whatever. Yeah. So as a horror movie, this is a damn fine haunted house movie. Mm-hmm. Uh well acted by both James Brolin and Margot Kidder, and Robert Steiger, who probably has the most thankless role in the movie, kind of oh. steals every every bit of the scene he sees in as oh, the priest just... who seems to get treated the worst out of everybody in the entire in the entire movie. Yeah, yeah, they were really out to get him. But he chews. I mean, he just chews through every ounce of the scenery. So great. So, I mean, the movie begins with the, well, I guess, flashback of the murders of the family that lived in in the Amityville house, uh, 112 Ocean Avenue. The, the son, Ronald DeFeo, murdered his brother, sister, mother, father. Mm-hmm. And um, so well, the uh, house... Brothers, yeah, brothers, sister, mother, father, right. There were more than one brother. Or, yeah, or at least, I mean, he's accused of the murders. Um, again, well, it doesn't matter because we're talking about the movie. Right. And in the movie, he kills them. Right. So a year later, the house is still on the market, and they're desperate for a sale. So this beautiful home, which comes complete with the boathouse and an ocean view. And ominous is, eyes. Well, only if you look at it from the side. Sure. If you look at it up front. The cinema star Brad Brad Jones pointed out that it looks like the Nightmare on Elm Street house. It really kind of does, yeah. So they purchased the house for what seems like a song. They are informed that people had been murdered in it, but eh. you know, you, you got to be like, well, he's not coming back to murder anybody else. The guy's right. in jail, so they buy the house and they move in and. Right. Plus, you got like you got a river right out back, and it's more than likely shark free. I mean, that was years ago. Yeah. Well, that was Amity Island. This is Amityville. Yeah. Well, same mayor or same mayor slash priest. Well, yes. The I do love the fact that Murray Hamilton plays the priest in charge of Rod Steiger. Rod Steiger as his priest, who you know when he goes to bless the home is. Confronted by flies and pain and disembodied voices telling him to get out. Mm -hmm. And when he goes to his superiors, they say that his superior, played by Murray Hamilton, says, look, this weekend's the 4th of July. Right. And that house will be open. Right. Exactly. He knows. He knows what's at stake. You say, you say phantom, people say, huh? What? Right. You say ghost. We have a panic on our hands on the 4th of July. Completely. Completely. So the Lutzes are living in the house. And I know when I saw this as a kid, I did not pick up on the fact that uh, James Brolin as George was the stepfather to the kids. This was right their second marriage. Not that it, I mean, it kind of plays out differently the way he treats them, knowing more that he's kind of the stepfather. It gives a different point of view of his treatment as them but right you know first you know minor things are happening like he's waking up every morning at 3 15 which was supposedly the time of the murders Mm -hmm. and he's always cold now there's a scene where he's looking at the thermostat and he's saying like it's 72 degrees in here but it seems like it's 32 you know there's something wrong with the house if the dad's the one that's cold. Oh, God, yeah. He's the one messing with the thermostat. Yeah, usually it's like nailed down with like, yeah, he screams at you if you look at it. Yeah, And it's, you know, I got this down to 66 degrees. That's the perfect temperature. 
Right. You know, everybody else is cold. The dad is never cold. So right. You know there's something wrong here. Right. It it's the 70s. Be... That thing moves a degree and it's like, all right, there's vacation. We're not going on vacation anymore. You know, uh, yeah. there, you know we have to sell the TV. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, the youngest daughter has a little imaginary friend that, you know, turns out might not be quite so imaginary named Jody, mm-hmm. who may or may not be a pig. Right, sure. right. May or may not be a demon pig or Lucifer I'm or not I don't entirely know. sure because when they research it, there's all sorts of different things. Like this was a Native American burial ground. Oh, yeah. And insane people, you know, founded the area and committed all sorts of weird sacrifices. Let's just so, say if you were to concoct a story, right, about a haunted location, I mean, you've picked a decent one and a good start with a house i'm I'm not saying that's what happened but i'm just saying if you were to concoct a story that's a good start sort of like uh poltergeist yeah a few years later right i still don't know how a pig works into haunting the house you know it's creepy it is creepy (laughs) that's how maybe they sacrifice pigs yeah don't know but i'm I'm sure the remake had something dumb about it but yeah there's all sorts of weirdness going on. Like, there, there's an actual really creepy glowing eyes outside the window scene with Margot Kidder. Right. Uh, George gets more and more hostile and short-tempered. Yep. And, he's, and colder he's constantly and colder and more cold, yeah. And he's taken to chopping wood, which, you know, could just be to make more firewood for the fire. Mm-hmm. But he seems really into chopping that wood. As long as it stays the wood, um, you know, yeah, I'd be concerned, but, you know. Uh, There's a sequence where one of the boys is playing a trick on their sister and the window slams down on his fingers and they can't get that thing open. That actually uh, happened to our sister. True story. (laughs) The best part about that story, and we're going to... My sister had slammed her finger... In the window, it hurt herself, and my mother went to help, and she was running my sister's finger under cold water, but my sister was in a lot of pain Yes, and gasping for breath yes. and trying to say, Mom, that's the wrong finger. You're running under the cold water. Yes. Yes. But... Not, that we sh- not that we should take delight in our sister's pain, but it was more than 40 years ago at this point. So. Oh, yeah. And it, and it came out, it happened rather around the same time as this film. And I'm not saying we immediately thought the house was haunted, but you just can't help but draw that parallel. Well, we, always thought, the, we always thought the basement was haunted for oh, whatever reason. Yeah, but it's a basement and it's creepy and it still is. So, so um, the babysitter gets locked in a closet one night when the parents are out and they can't get the door open. She's really good in that scene, too. There's the babysitter. She's really good her short scene like she's yeah she she nails that um like i i yeah um she she does a really good job of um getting so you know worked up and afraid inside that closet because because like this movie you know it's an older movie and um if you haven't seen this movie yet and you're you're younger maybe and have seen you know newer stuff say whether it be something like james wan had done like with the conjuring or insidious then you know this movie is comparable but those movies are a lot shorter and a lot punchier than this one this is a very very slow burn where it's a lot of like there's not a lot of blood or anything you know it's not gross it's not gory it's not so much in your face it's a very subtle and slow burn so you know um the it's it's a lot of like i I guess if this movie was made in the in the late 90s it would have been a found footage movie right um because it has that sort of very slow burn everything is um you know paranormal activity where everything just kind of happens it's 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 if you've seen those movies i guess then you know what i mean if you haven't then yeah that's that's what this kind of vibe is it's it's very much like you know things falling over or like strange things that could have an explanation but not and it's the actors themselves who do a really good job of trying to play up at just how terrifying it really is you know you're not just locked in in a closet all of a sudden then you open the door and get out you know that sort of thing well, yeah, no, nobody is killed other than the, the pre- family the, at the beginning. The family yeah. at the beginning, nobody is killed in the movie. Right. The priest played by Rod Steiger is tormented by these evil spirits that apparently attached themselves to him when he came to bless the house. Right. Because by towards the end of the movie, he's both blind and near catatonic right. from all the tormenting they've done to him. Um, the friend of the dad or a business partner 
comes with his wife to visit the house at one point, and the wife has psychic um, connections, I guess you'd say, because she's immediately creeped out by the house, and they end up taking down a wall in the basement, which leads to a mysterious red room. Right. All sorts of wild stuff is going on in this movie until the 28th night when basically all hell breaks loose. The family goes fleeing from the house. There's blood pouring from the walls. The house is collapsing around them. Uh, The dad has to go back in to save the dog because he knows he'll hear about it for the rest of his life if he doesn't go back for the dog. Right. Uh, The dog and him basically team up to save each other to escape the basement as everything's going on, going crazy. And they flee from the house and a title card comes up that they never return to the house to collect their belongings or anything else. Right. Now, as we said, this is, you know, as a movie, this is a very effective horror movie. It was remade in 2005, starring Ryan Reynolds, and there's a little... It, they do punch things up a bit more for a more modern audience. And for some reason, like in, in the original movie, they just jump in their van and drive the hell out of there. Mm-hmm. I don't know why in the remake they escape by boat. Yeah. In the, in the remake, for some yeah. reason, they jump in the boat to get away. Yeah, it's an odd... I, I, Odd choice. There's other differences between the two, but that's the one that just, for whatever reason, sticks in my mind and makes me say, why? Cinematically cooler, maybe, or to distance themselves away yet more from the original story, because in the um, in the original movie um, and in the book, you know, it's clear that um, James Brolin, George Lutz's character, uh, George Lutz, James Brolin's character, is getting more and more like hostile, more and more unhinged. But it's it's played more or less subtly. Like you see him getting sweatier and more disheveled as the movie goes on, and just more irritable. Whereas in the remake, like he's you know basically a family annihilator. <laughs> you know, and in in the basically the implication here is that you know Ronald DeFeo, who mur- murdered his family, was possessed by some sort of demonic entity that resides in the house. Mm-hmm. And then that same spirit was possessing and trying to take control of George and force him to kill his family. And we don't know for sure that it was not the movie Castle Keep that had everything to do with it. I mean, I've seen the movie and I'm still okay, but, you know, it's a sinister movie. Yes, because supposedly Ronald DeFeo was watching the movie Castle Keep starring Peter Falk. And oh, it's a, it's a rather bizarre war movie. Yeah. He was supposedly watching it on TV when the demon came to him and told him to kill his family. Right. Um, so, again, as a movie, this is an effective horror haunted house movie. Mm-hmm. Um, certainly in 1979. Certainly in 1979. Um, it has a lot of parallels to, say, Shining mm-hmm. with the dad going kind of nuts and all axe murdery. It has a lot of parallels to the later movie Poltergeist with, you know, this family trying to deal with some sort of really bizarre supernatural occurrences in their home, which they later find out was built on an old cemetery. I would put this, I don't know, I would say this is probably at least, I don't know if it'd be my top five favorite haunted house movies, but definitely in my top ten. Definitely, um, because I guess... I, I think this will be the type of movie where it won't engage as easily with a young audience just because it's such a slow burn. It's a long movie, too. It's about two hours long. Um, and if you stack it up against, you know, newer stuff with better effects, then, yeah, it doesn't it's not really going to compare. So but but, but I, I think it holds up like for people who have seen it, grew up with it and loved it. I, I think it definitely holds up for people who like the slow burn, like a true haunted house movie that's not made in 1996 or something. Then, yeah, it still definitely holds up. But, I would, but it's not I the would, flashiest movie, for sure. No, but I would say that that's what helps the movie. Oh, I agree the, with you. Yeah, the I slow agree with that. burn and the stark realism. They yep. really try to make it... Because, let's face it, if all the craziness that went on in some of these other horror movies, they would have been out... Like, that's one of my favorite things about Sinister, is how quickly they move out of that house. Yeah. Now, <laughs> yeah. it turns out to have nothing to do with... Not Sinister, is it? Insidious? Insidious, yeah, yeah, yeah. Insidious. Yeah. They're like, we're out of you here know? pretty quickly, yeah. 
it turns out to have nothing to do with the house, but damn it, you know, too often in some of these haunted house movies, it's like, there's blood coming from the walls. Right. Hello, Spackle, take care of that. Right. And and in fairness to the, uh, at least in this movie, right, in the in the Amityville Horror movie, most of the truly creepy stuff does not happen to George and Kathy until pretty much the end. Um, like for most of them, it's mostly hearsay or it's like, oh, there's a pretty good explanation for why, you know, that the, the window fell at an old house or yeah, it's drafty or whatever. Um, I mean, except for obviously seeing, you know, George, let's get weirder and weirder. Like there's nothing, there's nothing overtly supernatural that happens to them in, until pretty much that last day. Um, yeah. it's, it's the priest that gets smacked around. It's the kids that are seeing weird stuff, but it's like, oh, they're just being kids, you know, bratty kids or whatever, that sort of thing. Yes. And the, uh... So that's why they stuck around. Like, they didn't see anything that weird. It was definitely uncomfortable, but they weren't thinking, oh, we're haunted. The uh, Kathy's brother who loses $1,500 in the house mysteriously. Right. Uh, which I do want to touch on in a moment. Right. Uh, but again, as a horror movie, it's, it's, it's a good one. Absolutely. No, it's the picture perfect. Uh, I, or it's I, one of the picture perfect haunted house movies, like you said. This is a nice weekend, you know horror movie to watch you know because again it's one of those quieters mm -hmm. it's almost i don't want to say it's a family film because <laughs> it's gonna, but it's one that if you have children who are in there maybe earlier teens who are trying to want to watch horror movies this is definitely one of the ones that you know there's not a lot of nudity there's not a lot of sex there's there's right. not a lot of stark violence it's all it's mostly in the mind of what's happening. Um, right. There's no right. There's no object violence really, except for again the very beginning scene, which is more implied than shown. It's not. It's not a remotely bloody movie or anything like that. But you know, I'm with you because we technically, I mean, we more or less did see this movie as a family at least a couple of times when we were because we watched it relatively young and it was just like, yeah, go ahead. I think it was also on TV, well, um, it was, and it was definitely during the day, but it was stuff like that. Yeah, but it was one of those movies where I think uh, mom had read the book. Right. And had seen the movie prior. Right. And this was a TV cut we were going to be watching during the day. So she right. was like, yeah, you guys can watch it. Right, right. So now let's get into... Of course, now, like you mentioned before, like the basement, now every creak, every noise, every draft, every everything is like, uh-oh. You know, that's just what this movie does to you when you're nine. You know? well, I mean, I see demonic eyes at the window. I'm convinced that... Well, this demonic guy is outside the window. Yeah, but that was just Jerry. He just he roams the neighborhood like that. You remember Jerry? I don't remember Jerry. Oh, oh G Gerald. Yeah, 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 yeah. Gerald Jerry. Yeah, yeah, crazy. Yeah, you remember him. Yeah. So, the other thing about this movie or the whole phenomenon is, as we said, it was based on a book, and Todd and I, as we 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 were kids during this huge when this was. This was basically still in the news. This was... It was on Donahue. Making, it was on... Donahue. You know, yeah. That's incredible. You know, the Lutzes were constantly being interviewed and the house was constantly being investigated as this huge haunted house. The book it was based on, written by Jan, Jay Anson, was a phenomenal bestseller. Yep. And right there emblazoned on the front of the book was a true story. Yeah. And I can guarantee you when I was, so this would have been, I would have been six. Sure. And the movie came out. Yeah. I mean, the yeah, book had been out for a little bit, but yeah. So we were like basically, you know, nine, 10 in that area during sure. the big hype of it. And I'll tell you, as a kid, I figured, well, if it was in a book, it yeah. had to be true. I wouldn't make a movie if it wasn't. I mean, this isn't well, Superman. That's not crazy. You know, this is, I, this I, is I, real. I can buy the movie being fake, but for whatever reason, as a kid, if Agreed. it was in a book it and it was called true, well, then it had to be true because you couldn't lie and then put it in a book. You're right. Like today, it would have been like inspired by true events. That's how you would get away I with mean, it. But back then they were like, no, this is real. Like, this is true. <laughs> you know? yeah. And it, it, like my brother's it, cousin's friend, like he no, he did. He knows the guy. Like he he went to that house. He was there. He saw it. it was the whole thing. You know that guy yeah. in school. Like oh yeah, my friend from Canada. He knew the guy. <laughs> you know. No, no, it's his uncle who knew the guy. It's his girlfriend yeah. from Canada. All right, there you go. But you know, in the schoolyard, yeah, we were all convinced because again, it was in a book. It said it right on there in big letters. <laughs> you know, you, you like for instance, Texas Chainsaw starts. 
the Texas Chainsaw Massacre starts out saying it's on a, based on a true story. It's not. No. And I never believed it really was. No, but, but at least they don't movie... call that the story of Ed Gein. Like, this no. is the story of George and Kathy Lutz, presumably, you know? Like, that's, that's but, the thing. Like, with Psycho, it's like, yeah, it's kind of sort of based on Ed Gein, but they don't call him Ed Gein. It's Norman Bates. Like, if they had and, called these two other people, you know... So they knew what they were doing. <laughs> these were real people appearing on real television telling right. us that this had happened to them. Right, right. They, so, they, they to this day, or at least, I mean, Kathy's dead, but, or Alexis, they're both dead now. But, you know, till the day they died, they, they insisted that it was real. Even the stuff that, well, know, sure, they, they made up, they insisted were real. They changed their stories a couple of times, but. Because they had to. Because some stuff uh, is just provably that, yeah, that never happened. <laughs> but, you know, so we were fully convinced that this had really happened. And any time we drove by a house that even looks similar yep. to the Amityville Horror House, we're like, oh, it's, 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 if it's, if that's not the house, that house must be haunted too because of how it's, it's shaped and, and all that. I still do. I mean, this movie, if nothing else, helps reinforce the fact that you can just spot a haunted house from like a mile away. <laughs> now, the, like that house just looks haunted. 112 Ocean Avenue and the neighborhood, they all changed their addresses mm -hmm. because, you know, obnoxious people showing up to look at the house. They changed the look at the house. They changed the address. And everybody who's lived in the house since has said, we haven't had a single problem, right. at least not with ghosts and dark spirits. Right. It's mostly people coming by being a pain in the butt. And in fact, I would I would say that, like, the city of Amityville, of Amityville would prefer you to think that there's a shark in their waters than to ever talk about the Amityville horror ever because they just don't even want to acknowledge it. Again, you're confusing Amity Island. With I know. Amityville. I know. But again, it's the same. It's the same mayor. I mean, again, the mayor later became it's the same person. It has to be real. So it's real to me, damn it. One of the so there, there are not only sequel books which claim that the reason the house is fine now is because the spirits have attached themselves to the Lutzes and followed them wherever they went. Which, I mean, things didn't work out awesome for either of them. Um, I mean, they made money, not a ton, but it was 1970s money and not terrible money. Uh, certainly more than they spent on the house. But yeah, like, you know, the rest of their time wasn't super kind to them. They were telling well, people something happened and no one believed them. Well, at first, we all did believe them. I mean, sure. there were always some people, of course, people were skeptics, but I believe them. I don't anymore. Right. And I question if that missing $1,500 actually happened. They freaking stole the money from their brother. Oh, totally. Yeah. No, totally. Not cool people. Totally. No, I, I mean, I, I, as far as I can tell, I mean, I guess if you want to get into it, like, as far as I can tell, or at least my basic belief is that George and Kathy did experience some stuff that they didn't really want to explain in a very old and creaky, you know, New York house. And um, they realized that if the right people listened to them and had just the right amount of writing skill, they could come up with something out of this whole mess and gave it their best shot. And it kind of worked. Well, from one of those stories I've often heard is that the lawyer to Ronald DeFeo Yes. And Jay Anson worked together to fabricate the story and went to the Lutzes and said, hey, we can all make a ton of money doing this. And yep. who's going to pass? I mean, I'll be honest. I ain't going to pass. If if somebody says like, oh, the book deal's worth a million dollars, I'm going to be like, oh, so what do you want me to say happened? Exactly. Right. Yeah. The walls are bleeding. Uh, yeah, exactly. So, I mean, that's all, again, like we said, it's besides the point. Sure. You know, whether you want to believe the yes, about the movie. whether you want to believe the Warrens who have, you know, now having their own series of movies based on them with the Conjuring series. Yep. Um, but yeah, I was totally down for all of it. And I believed every word of it, probably up until, I don't know, I would say maybe even my 20s. Sure. Whether it was because I just still wanted to believe or... I was convinced that I was a kid and I didn't want to admit to myself I had been taken. But regardless of all that, this is a entertaining and somewhat scary movie at times. Yeah, like, well, I don't want to necessarily insult the movie or anything, but to me, like, wanting to sort of believe in at least some of it really helps the movie. Well, but that, and it's also kind of like, 
one of the biggest movies of all time is Titanic. Now, we mm-hmm. know the Titanic happened. Sure. But the story of Rose and Jack Dawson did not happen. Sure. But that's what sold that movie, really. That's the reason that movie was was because there was a lot of people who got caught up in the story of Jack and Rose, a lot of people who believed they were actual characters. And that shouldn't take away from the movie that it wasn't. No. No, it's still a good movie. That's the thing. Like, Amy of a Heart, it's a good story. It's a good book. Uh, read the book. Uh, you know, if, you, if you're not a huge fan of the movie or you don't want to read the book, it's a cool book. Um, there's there's numerous, numerous sequels in both book form and movie form. I believe there's up to, I mean, there's more than... Too many. Yeah, but there's at least nine in the official Amityville Horror series, I believe. <sighs> Boy, that sounds about right. So, I mean, going with the original trilogy. Now, here's the other thing. Is after this first one was called Amityville Horror... In order to skip paying royalties, the rest of the movies are just known as Amityville. Right. So you get Amityville 2, The Possession, which is about Ronald DeFeo murdering his family, only they changed the name of the family to something else. Right. Um, so, again, they don't have to pay. They can say, well, we made all this up. It's, you mm-hmm. know, it's an original story. We don't know anybody any money from it. And then there's my favorite, Amityville 3 or Amityville 3D, or Amityville the Demon. Yep. Amityville Horror is a better movie. Amityville 3 is a lot more of a fun movie. Yeah, it's a There much, is just yeah. chaos and craziness going on. You know, for, it has a young Laurie Laughlin, it has a young Meg Ryan... Is it her first movie? No. Is it? It, it may have been the first for the two of them, I'm not sure. Yeah, and it's got one of the Quaids, right? I don't believe so. I uh, maybe I'm just thinking Meg Ryan. It's been a while since I saw the third one. It's a, it's a crazy one. Oh, but it is just it, there's yeah. no. It's fun. There's certainly nothing called the slow burn. It's it's definitely better than Amityville Two. They Amityville actually... Two is not a terrible movie, but it's not. Eh, it's kind of grimy. But but Amityville comes straight out and says, "Oh no, this house is not only haunted. Look at all that." I mean. And faces appearing in pictures, people oh, bursting yeah. into flames in their cars, all sorts of things getting thrown at the screen. I mean, it is it is the Amityville horror. If somebody was like, here, here's the script for Amityville horror. I want you to take the script. I want you to take this vial of crack, and I want you to go rewrite the script. <laughs> right. That's how you end up with Amityville 3D. I mean, right. I, I, it is a cheesy ridiculous movie but i love every stupid cheesy ridiculous second of it well it's almost like the filmmakers were like oh yeah i didn't buy the first one how about this one oh yeah (laughs) i'll just throw a bunch of crap against the wall how about that forget about turning it up to 11 they turned it up to 666 oh yeah no that's a crazy movie it's a fun one though you're right it it is it is it is an awful lot of fun the yeah, as you said, Damityville, The Possession, which is technically a prequel. I mean, again, it's a more slow burn, but it, it does it's try to tell the story of, you know. It's not bad. It's just quickly the most forgettable. Yes. Yeah. And it also definitely is more trying to capitalize on the success of the first. Yeah. And The Exorcist by adding a whole, you know, kind of a... Um, exorcism plot line to it as well exactly yeah like again it's not uh, i I don't want to say it's a great movie either but it's just it's very forgettable it's it's not it's it's a much grimier movie um the first one is a good creepy you know scare the third one is um is just you know insane but fun in that respect and then the second one is just it's i don't know um it's it's i can't really explain it but um it's it's again it's it's fine it's just it's just immediately forgettable it's a very grimy it's a much darker movie too like at the end of amityville horror it's like oh that was a good creepy scare now let's go get some ice cream or something at the end of the third one it's like oh that was you know that was that was something uh and 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 then the second one it's like eh. Yeah, but at the end of the first at the end of the third one you kind of laugh and like all right let's go get a pizza right right um, you know, you, you, you've had a lot of fun. You've eaten a lot of popcorn. Now, let's get back to the the original. Yep. It's 
directed by Stuart Rosenberg. Yep. Who directed one of the all-time greatest films ever made, Cool Hand Luke. Absolutely. As we mentioned, it stars James Brolin, who was was probably at the height of his career. He's doing very well. Margot Kidder, who was also up there, you know, making huge movies like she'd been in Superman. Right, Lois Lane. uh, And and she, I always thought she was attractive as Lois Lane, but in this movie, she's really, really, you know, there's there's a scene where uh, James Brolin's character is staring at her, and I'm like, yeah. Yeah, I'm right there with you. Can we can we we pause here? <laughs> and it was made for like, I mean, I, made for under five million. I'm not sure what a movie at this. I mean, it's a rather modestly made movie when it comes right down to it. Mm-hmm. But it made over eighty million dollars. Yes. It was a huge, huge success. Critical flop. Yeah, but again, what was, you know, especially at that time, almost anything that was big was a critical flop. Uh, plus, this movie was always going to be polarizing anyway. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, again, take away, you know, take out any of the based on a real story, based on a book. As a movie, it's a, it's a solid horror movie, and I don't oh, want to yeah. keep hammering that into the ground. But uh, Rod Steiger, as we said, he's playing the priest who who has pretty much all the best scenes. Oh, yeah, yeah. He gets to have the most fun with his character, except for, I don't know, maybe James Brolin? James Brolin, because, yeah, he gets to be the um, almost the hero and the heavy in one, which is is probably a lot of fun. But there's the scene at the church where... um, Oh, yeah. Rod Steiger is basically being taunted and tormented by the demon. And it is so ridiculously over the top. It's great. And it's really, I honestly think that a lot of these might've been added in just to keep punching up the pace, to punch up the scares because there's not a whole lot going on at the house. There isn't no. Uh, and, and like I said before, it's kind of a long movie. So I, like, I, I think that would have some difficulty with a newer audience. It's really the only complaint I can make in retrospect. And it's not even really a complaint. It was perfectly, it was, it's exactly, like I said, I wouldn't change anything about the movie, but it's definitely, you know, it's it's definitely of its kind. Uh, the soundtrack was nominated for an Academy Award. It's supposed to be and Exorcist, right? For years and years, the rumor was that this was the score he had written for The Exorcist that... Oh, I thought that was fact. William Freakin, well, he had written the score for The Exorcist and William Freakin hated it and tossed it away. And for years and years, the story was he just reused the music for Amityville Horror. But he is later, the, the composer has later said that it wasn't true. He, he composed, he used elements of it, but he composed a new, um, so I don't know whether that's true or not, or whether maybe he's just saying like, no, no, I didn't reuse the music but to me it's a better story if it is true sure because here's this music that one director said was garbage and flung across the street into a vacant alley and when it was used it was nominated for an academy award plus it totally sounds like something he would do oh geez. yeah <laughs> it totally sounds like something he would do The director uh, of uh, uh, of Exorcist, Freak. yeah, Freakin, right? Yes, he was. Yeah. A... It totally sounds like something he would do. Freakin's a bit of madman, right? Yeah, he's uh, been known for doing well, doing just whatever it takes to uh, make his movie what he feels should be the best. I mean, my understanding is the only thing scarier than The Exorcist was making it. <laughs> yes, yes, but you know. It is an immortal film. Oh, yeah. Hey, you know what? you got to work for your art, man. I have no sympathy. I mean, maybe some. And, you know, he's made... Friedkin has made other great films like uh, French Connection and oh, yeah. Sorcerer and, you know... Oh, that's a great movie. Several others, so... Speaking of Jaws and... Sort of, anyway. Sorcerer is a great movie. I wouldn't want to work for Friedkin, but no. I definitely want to see a movie made by Friedkin. Oh, sure, sure. So, um, 
anything else you want to say about this? No, I think that's all that can be said. I mean, um, I guess we can get into recommendations and stuff, but no, I, I think that's all that can be said. Like it's, it's certainly a time capsule. It's a very seventies movie and it's definitely got that classic seventies haunted house, slow burn. Uh, and this, you know, it's, it's almost pretty much invented that, you know, um, it's, um, it's maybe not the granddaddy of haunted house movies, but it's definitely one of the patriarchy, if you want to call it that. I, guess. I, I would say it's essential viewing for any serious horror fan. Sure. And essential viewing. Especially a supernatural for, one. Yes. And for anybody who's really interested in haunted house, uh, haunted house movies or. Um, Even just the stories. Well, but the other thing is, too, like there's so much around. I mean. So much has been made just between the so many reality shows based on supernatural investigation. Mm -hmm. This is kind of almost the beginning of all that, at least as far as I can track back to. No doubt. No doubt. Because because like we we don't remember it necessarily at the time because we weren't necessarily watching like the the Donahue's and and all that at the time. But yeah, like the, the Warrens were known. They were on, you know, they were on TV and stuff doing the talk show circuit. And like there was lots of like you mentioned before, there was lots of stuff doing the talk show circuit about this movie and other people like, well, my house is haunted, too. So they had like, you know, news, whatever going out there to do all of that. Like it was whole scene at the time. Um, especially just after Exorcist and just after The Omen and just after this movie, like it was really coming, you know, it was really hitting hard. Plus, Satanic Panic, you know, at the time with rock yep. music and all that stuff. So it was just like this movie couldn't have hit at a better time. Again, if you were to concoct a horror, a, you know, a, a creepy movie out of your like, oh, some weird things happened in my house story, you couldn't have picked a better time and you probably couldn't have picked a better place to start with. Parapsychology and, and paranormal investigation obviously existed before, but this, I believe, is what brought it into the zeitgeist of, of the American consciousness. And it should be noted that uh, I haven't watched it yet, but the um, the uh, one of the commentaries for my uh, Amityville Horror DVD is done by noted and famed uh, vampire hunter Hans Holzer, so who, who well, he, he believes the place was really haunted. That's the other thing is this movie is I, I don't know if it's available for streaming on any service right now. Not for free, but it's available on pretty much everything you can think of, except for Netflix. I, but like it's available I, on HBO, for example. I was flipping through on Amazon. You can get the trilogy in one collection for like eight dollars and forty cents on Amazon. It Do comes it. with Amityville Horror, Amityville to the Possession, and Amityville Three the Demon. Do it. And that's also there's also higher end like Shout Factory has a or through their Scream Factory branch has a Blu-ray box set and you know mm. they always always do an amazing job with it. I and should look it up cuz I what I have sorry. That's $84 which is kind of a, well it amazed me that there, it went from like 840 to 84. Dang. Yeah, oh, uh, wow. The other yeah, version, go ahead. It's 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 Scream Factory, it's Blu-ray. I got to believe it's worth every penny. The version I have is some MGM special edition that came out when they were filming the, um, and just before it actually came out when they were filming the remake, the Ryan Reynolds one in 2005. Um, And I think that, wasn't that one of the last movies that MGM did? Or maybe it was one of the new movies that MGM did, because then they go bankrupt for like 10 minutes or something. And uh, anyway, the... um, the one that I have has the, the three movies, the, you know, first, second and 3D. And um, it also has like an extra little disc for some with some History Channel documentaries, one of them being with one, I forget which of the kids, but one of the kids of the Lutzes and um, who, you know, he, he talks his side of things and uh, more or less he takes the side of, yeah, it was real or at least mostly real or somewhat real. Um, like basically he's like, you know, creepy things really happened, that sort of thing. And then, uh, yeah, some other like History Channel stuff on it, which is pretty cool. Um, there's all sorts of like different podcasts that have covered whether the true story or the movie or the book or all of the above. Um, and they all, they all have their own spin on it, their own takes on it. Um, it's just like, it's a whole world you can get into. And then like, once you've unlocked the door to the story of the Warrens, if you're a fan of the Conjuring movies, I mean, heck, there are books based on all of the sort of stuff that they've done and whether you want to believe any of it or not. Uh, of course, they very much do or did. Uh, you know, Ed's now dead. Uh, I think Lorraine's still alive. Maybe she died recently. I don't remember. Anyway, um, they're fun as heck stories. Anyway, uh, we, we can get into that to our recommendations and stuff if you want to get into that. But and that's the thing. This this whole thing is a rabbit hole. Yes. Yes. There's so much that expands out of the center of Amityville Horror between 
books and studies. And like you said, there's, there's documentaries on TV. There's documentaries. I mean, you can get like, there's so much to explore here beyond Mm -hmm. just the movie. Totally. And I think it was Daniel Lutz who did a documentary called my Amityville horror. That's the one. Yeah. That's the one that's on. That's the, that's the name of it. Yep. That's the one that's on my series. Yep. So this is definitely something like I said, if you're into, if you're into horror movies, if you're into haunted house movies, if you're into parapsychology, whether you're a skeptic or believer, this is something you should check out and then just follow all the different threads. Yep. It's easy to do because it's available. So many, so many times we do something and it's a struggle just for us to see it and rewatch it to do the podcast. Mm -hmm. This is not Remo Williams. (laughs) Remo Williams. uh, Yeah. um, uh, Midnight Madness. Yep. This is not what this is available. This is, you can see this. I, I, just I, I'm, I implore you to check it out and I implore you to check all I mean if you watch the movie you don't like it sure you know by all means just drop it there but it's just it's so much fun to follow it along to all the different crazy ends and and you know watch the movie and then watch the documentary and then compare and contrast and and then see what they did in the sequels. And then, you know, because the sequels come so ludicrous to the point where it's like items that were in the house and sold for you in a yard sale are now bringing evil yes. to new families. Well, plus there's just one, which I think, is it is it Jason Bateman? Amityville Dollhouse? There is Amityville Dollhouse. I don't know if Jason Bateman's in it. He I might swear be. Jason Bateman's in one of them. But yeah, they get, um, they get weird. <laughs> Patty Duke's in the one where she buys the lamp from the the Amityville Horror House and it's just again it's 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 some of it's ridiculous but it's it's fun yes it's a whole thread to explore we could really have done a series of podcasts just based on this just on this one story yeah or the Warrens alone or or getting into the Warrens alone absolutely and I'm I'm sure sure, several good ones have done it I'm sure you can find it yeah I mean, you could argue you could argue what James Wan and the Conjuring series is doing is almost that, and I, I honestly, I'm all for it because, like, like this movie may have been my first horror movie. I'm not positive. Maybe it was the second, but I, it pretty much was my gateway into horror movies in general, and um, all of that sort of stuff. You know, like the haunted house and 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 and, and uh, movies and stuff like that. And um, yeah, like it 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 led me into. Well, I guess we can go into the recommendations. Um, uh, the recommendations for me would be par- Paranormal Activity. Um, there's some excellent parallels to Paranormal Activity with this. Like I said, this could have just as well have been a found footage movie and not a whole lot would have changed, um, except just the perspective of what you saw, I guess. Um, pretty much, again, you know, the Conjuring uh, series, um, inclu- Insidious as well, not technically a movie about the Warrens, but definitely has that same old school sort of more of a creep factor, more of an implication and more of like out of focus kind of stuff. Um, uh, uh, and um, as far as like getting into books go, again, if, if you like books, this is an excellent, arguably a b- better book than it is a movie. Um, but going with books, this movie uh, got me interested in another book that a friend of mine had had um, that had to do with the Warrens, and it's called Demonologist, because that's what the Warrens are, right? They're demonologists. And um, the book was just them retelling their stories of all of their different creepier things, arguably even scarier, um, many of them, than um, this particular house, which is mentioned in it, including some pictures that they took. But uh, that's a really fun book and a really fun series of books that I'm so happy that are being mined for movies because, yeah, it's really good movie fodder in there. If you get a chance to read The Demonologist, if you can find it, it's been out of print and then it came back mm-hmm. in print. But if you can find it, I highly recommend that book. It's a fun it's, book. It's actually, you can't find it again because of The Conjuring movies. Oh, perfect. It's back in print because of them. Oh, it should be. It's a, that's a really fun book. Again, if you can develop, if you've already got past the part where you're like, oh, I don't believe in any of this and are willing to like get into it anyway, read The Demonologist. It's and I don't believe Amityville Horror has ever been out of print. Some of the sequels are, but I believe Jay Anson's Amityville Horror has always been in print. Yep. Um, yeah, it's just, I, I can't recommend, if you're into horror, like I said, horror, supernatural stuff, this this is a great way to just to begin a journey that is still being told today. I mean, still stuff. Uh, Amity the Awakening is only four years old at this point. Correct. Yep. I mean, they're still doing stuff based on it. 
I mean, this is true. This is true American folklore that goes back to as far as you and I can be like, oh, yeah, I remember that. You know, it's not looking to be like, oh, I remember when they invented Bigfoot, <laughs> you know, but we well, can be like, oh, yeah, 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 I remember that. You know, that's the thing is, like, you know, you go back as far as the Bell Witch, but. Right. They have to go way was, back for that. Yeah. Because it took place in the 70s, there's documentation. Right. You were two years old. I was just about, you know, I was about a year away from being born. Like it was right there, you know. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, there's just so much to follow. Now, for my recommendations, I'm going to go with Poltergeist. Oh, hell yeah. The original, which is, you know, one of my favorite. It's probably my favorite Haunted House movie. Yeah. Um, the Changeling with George Man. C. Scott. That Great is another movie. slow burn, but very creepy so Haunted good. House movie. So good. That might be my favorite. And then I'm going to go a little old school and say the the original House on Haunted Hill. And the remake's a lot of fun. So the remake the original, is a lot of fun. The original House on Haunted Hill and the remake House on Haunted Hill. All right. Fantastic. Um, as far as connecting this to my favorite movie, The Magnificent Seven, are we ready to do that? Or was there... No, we're good, yeah. Um, oh, actually, you know what? I think we're both giving our... our uh, we've got to do our Whip Pistol Awards. Okay. I was originally going to go with Rod Steiger because he's so into his role, but yeah. I'm going to give it to Amy. Oh, yeah. In, in a small, thankless role. Uh, I mean, copy-paste exactly what what you just said with what I was going to say. I was going to say literally the same thing. I mean, she's fantastic. Yeah, She really is in, very, in a very, very short role. She, she, she like, I'm afraid for her inside. Because I can put myself inside. Because, like, when we were kids and we would mess with each other, you'd do, oh, get the thing out of the closet, and you shut the door real quick and slam it. And if they're afraid of the dark, you slowly wait for them to get more and more terrified. Like, I, I, I get it. I, I get it. Like, I still feel that. She's, she's great in that scene. So, yeah, um, and... So, okay, going to connect this movie to the Magnuson 7, that's really, really easy because James sure. Brolin was in Westworld with Yul Brenner. Yep. Yeah, I didn't even bother. Um, we still have a little bit of time, so I want to give a recommendation of something I had just seen recently. Okay. Uh, not a movie, but it's called Sushi Girl. Okay. It stars Tony Todd, Mark Hamill, um, Michael Bean, and Danny Trejo, and Jeff Fahey are in it, but they're basically glorified cameos. They are uh, so that's cameos. an eclectic as hell cast, but okay. <laughs> but Tony Todd and, and Mark Hamill, and the biggest comparison I can give it to is Reservoir Dogs. Ooh. If you're a fan of Reservoir Dogs and you want to see something that's a lot like it, Sushi Girl. What happens is the movie opens with a guy getting out of jail. He's just done six years in jail and he's the prison by Tony Todd's henchmen. And that's the restaurant Tony Todd runs. Tony Todd's basically the leader of the gang. Right. And six years ago, they tried to do a diamond heist. They had to scatter, and Fish, who was the guy who was just getting out of jail, was the last person known to have had the diamonds with him. Okay. So they're gathered at this dinner in honor of his being released from. But really, want the diamonds, and they think he knows where they are. He claims he doesn't. Okay. So just dogs, you have people turning against each other, and there's. Torture, betrayal, guns are pulled. Now, the reason it's called Sushi Girl is because during this, you know how, and I don't understand it myself, but. I assume the naked girl with the sushi the, on her the naked platter girl type of thing, yeah. Lying there in the middle of all this. Okay. And, of course, it's a sushi girl. Like she's not there at all. Like she is a dinner plate. So right. while all this chaos is going on around her, there's this poor girl just lying there like I'm paid to do a job to for people to eat sushi off me. And I'm hearing all about this diamond heist gone wrong and how, right. you know, I, if you were a fan of Reservoir Dogs, check out Sushi Girl. 
Uh, it sounds like I assume a relatively recent movie. I believe it's from the last five years or so. Okay. Uh, director, writer, anything like that? Um, you know what? I have the. I believe I have the DVD right here. Was this a Brenda box? Yes. Neat. So shout out to Brenda. Thank you, Brenda. I will be posting a review of this um, on. No, I don't have it. I think I brought it back to work to send along to the next person. But I will be posting a review on this of this on our Facebook page, which is TV slash Movie Rewind Asylum. Yep. And I will make sure I have all the pertinent information added to that. That sounds pretty neat. Do you know if it's streaming anywhere? Or I guess that's part of the information you have to look up. I know it's a magnet film, okay. so I would have to loop that up too. But they tend to stream on Tubi and Prime a lot, so it wouldn't surprise me if it's there as well. Okay. That sounds really neat. Oh, it, I, I do highly recommend it. I don't know if it's a movie I'll watch again and again and again, because as much as I love Reservoir Dogs, that's a movie, you know, you have to kind of be in a certain mood to watch it. Sure. Oh, sure, 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 sure. Yeah, it's not necessarily a feel. It's a fun movie, but it's not necessarily a feel good one or anything. Yeah. No, and and Mark Hamill plays a character that you've never seen Mark Hamill play before. Oh, really? And and I'm including. We're talking voice... like um, the uh, the the Last Jedi. Uh, type well, of... I'm in, <laughs> I'm including the Joker as one of his performances as well. Oh no, kidding. Okay. How about the guy? He was just an FBI agent in the Kyber. All right, fair enough. And Tony Todd always gives a wonderful performance, and he's equally good in this as the sinister leader of the gang. And for people and, who don't know, Tony Todd, probably most famously, would be Candyman from the Candyman series. Yes, and, and like Reservoir Dogs, there's a lot of flashback flashbacks to the actual heist and as things spiral out of control. Right on. All right, really neat. All right. Anything else you got to say? No, I'm good. Other than it's a gorgeous day today here in New England, and uh, I'm probably going to go enjoy a nice walk after this. All right. Well, again, you can find us on Facebook at TV slash Movie Rewind Asylum. Uh, you can find us on Instagram at either under Movie Matt Royce, all one word, or TV slash Movie Rewind Podcast. Thank you, everyone. And for God's sake, get out of here. Yeah, come enjoy the day. Just get out of here. Get out of here. Thanks for listening. We hope you have you back next time. Thank you.